text comes from James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. You want to turn there? James chapter 3, 1 through 12. Not many should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. If anybody does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. So also ships, though they are so large and are driven by a strong wind, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Here ends the reading of God's word. Words have power. As kids, we learn this lesson, right? At our first words, our parents jump up and down. As we get bigger and start to copy bigger words or sets of words, Our parents and and friends, they ask us to repeat the same phrase over and over again. We learn the power of words from our parents. Good boy, mommy will kiss your boo-boo. We also learn the power of words like no. And then we learn that we better listen quickly whenever our parents use our middle name. We learn very early the power of hurtful words. I hate you. You're a stupid head or other bullying things that I've heard my kids say. We learn that there are certain words that some people use all the time, but that others think you shouldn't use. In fact, they'll get you landed in time out. Or some of you can remember getting your mouth washed out with soap for using those words. We go to school and learn more words. We learn vocabulary and how to spell those words. We begin to put words into groups, forming sentences, paragraphs, and stories. If words have power, then groups of words have even more power. We are scared by stories around a campfire. We remember a movie we couldn't take our eyes off of, or a book we couldn't put down. Words declared independence, proclaimed emancipation, and challenged America with a dream. Of course, words also planned and took credit for an attack on the World Trade Center. Told Rosa Parks where she could and could not sit on a bus and ordered the deaths of countless Jews and others in Nazi Germany. Words 
have power. This is especially important for Christians. Because when you go to God's word, you find all kinds of stuff about words. That God spoke the world into existence. That the word of the Lord came through the prophets. The word of the Lord was praised by kings. In the fullness of time, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, Jesus Christ. That same word became text. God's word, the Bible. It is God's word that guides and directs our lives. And this word isn't just a random set of words. It's it's a bunch of stories. Stories meant to shape us. Stories building to one big story. We've been calling it the greatest story ever told. As Christians, we study that story. We live that story. We tell that story. As one of our hymns says, we've a story to tell to the nations. James has told us about this. That God's word is implanted in us. That we need to not just be hearers of that word, but we need to also be doers. What God has done in us has to turn into action. And one of the most important and most difficult aspects of that thing inside of us coming out is that we have to control our own words, our own mouths. I think the passage in here with James tells us four things about our words. He doesn't spell them out. He, in fact, just launches a whole bunch of metaphors at us. And he doesn't quite do them in the order that I'm going to present them, but, but I think he's saying four things. Number one, words impact those around you. James says, not, not everybody should be a teacher because teachers are responsible for their words. <clears throat> Someday I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to have to answer for the words that I gave you. And one of the problems with words is once they're out, you can't get them back. Once they're out there, it's hard to pull them back. You are, as a teacher, responsible for your words. And so James wonders if not everybody should be a teacher. Not everybody should have that responsibility because your words have an impact. They have an impact not only on how people take them, but also in how you treat others. It's really hard to call someone a jerk and then not treat them like a jerk. Your actions are partially defined by how you define other people. Jesus had this amazing way of talking to the least, the lost and the broken and treating them like human beings. And at the same time, the ability to challenge those who thought they had it all together. He could use his words carefully and specifically based on who he was talking to. This this word, this tongue talk in James is about so much more than swearing. I've heard this text talked about as swearing. The fact of the matter is there are sometimes things that happen in your life where a four-letter word might be the most appropriate word to go along with that situation. And when the Bible talks about, about these things, it's not thinking of the swear words we have today. So it can't just be about swearing. No, it's about how you talk to people. The language you use to describe your world. The attitude that shines through in what you say. Not just your words, but your tone, your intonation, your honesty. You can read this in other people, right? I mean, you can know when somebody's lying, when somebody's, somebody's fronting something that's not really what they think. When they're secretly mad at you or, or holding something back. They can see that in you too. So be careful with your words. Be careful not just in what you say, but in your attitude. 
because that shines through in what you say. This leads us to our second point. Words reveal your heart. Whatever's going on in your heart bubbles out through your mouth. I mean, James uses a number of metaphors for this, right? A spring or a pool of water is either salt or fresh water. It can't be both. As soon as there's salt in it, it's salt. I mean, brackish water is not fresh water. If there's salt in there, it's problematic. Or a tree. The kind of tree will produce that kind of fruit. You can't get oranges from an apple tree. If you get oranges from an apple tree, somebody lied to you about what tree you have. The fruit relates to the tree. And your words are like the fruit that relate to your heart. This is why lies eventually break down. At first, it's in your heart to lie. It's trying to get away with it. To try to get what you want. But over time, people have a lot of trouble keeping up with lies. Because you have to keep lying. You have to keep buying into it. In fact, have you ever, have you ever known somebody who lied so much that they bought into their own lies? It's like they started to believe it themselves. Why do they do that? Because ultimately, your heart and your mouth can't be doing two different things. Ultimately, what's in your heart has to bubble out. And so you've got to change one or the other. The problem is that we're always sinful. There's always the possibility of sin bubbling out of us. That's why it's the hardest thing to control. James says that we cannot control it at all. Even the most together Christians that you have, that you know, people you really looked up to, I bet you saw them slip once. Bet you saw them get angry or get hurt, and you saw their words not be as clean. Do you remember being a kid and hearing your parents swear for the first time, or say something like that for the first time? It's kind of shocking, like you didn't know that was in there. But it is for all of us. Maybe this is why James calls the tongue a restless evil, because it's always a problem. It's always there. We can tame all kinds of animals. James says, but the tongue you're going to constantly have trouble with. Why is this important? Number three, because words direct your life. Your behavior follows your words. If you can control your tongue, then you can control your whole body. But, but James's metaphors are, are, are really extreme on this, right? You put bits into a horse's mouth and when you control the mouth, you control the whole horse. James says, that's you. If you can control your mouth, you can control your whole life. Or, or a ship that's turned by a little rudder. I mean, here's a ship that gets tossed about by the sea, right? And the wind can push this whole thing around. But a little rudder on the back of the ship is what ultimately you use to guide your life. Your, that ship. Your tongue is like that rudder. And what you say shapes how you act. Your tongue can start a fire. Just something small can be a big deal. You want to change the way you look at your work? Start talking about it differently. Is work really a prison? A place of torture? Haven't you heard people talk about their work like that? I would not want to go to that job either. Or is it a chance to do something good? A place to use your gifts? You want to change your marriage? Start talking about your spouse differently. You start making too many jokes about your wife being a ball and chain. We start to think something about your marriage, right? You start to talk about your husband as if he's a big child. 
that shapes how you treat your husband. Social psychology calls this a self-fulfilled prophecy. Basically, they've said this, that when you say something, that your mind, your subconscious, tries to make that thing true. You've seen this, right? People say things are going to happen, bad things are going to happen, and sure enough, bad things are going to happen. A lot of times, it's because their own brain did that. Their own words guided that. The reality is there are a small number of problems in your life that come from outside of yourself. But there's a whole lot of other problems that are go on in your life that you caused or that you overreacted to those things and made worse. We like to say that we walked into that trouble. The reality, I think, from James is that we talked our way into it. Have you ever heard the phrase, your mind or your mouth is writing a check your body can't cash? We do that sometimes. Our mouth gets ahead of us and we end up having to do things that we couldn't or shouldn't do. Your words shape, steer, and lead your life according to James. Choose them carefully. And this leads to our last point. Words are critical for your faith. Christ is doing something in you. His word is implanted in you, as James would say. That word should change your actions. And for James, if, they're gonna, if it's going to change your actions, it has to change the words that you use. It has to change the way you speak. That's the rudder. That's the thing that can get things to change. If you're going to be a doer of the word, you have to be a speaker of the word. If you don't, then James sees a very big problem. Listen to verse 9 again. With it, talking about the tongue, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. See, James sees a big problem. When we bless God, when we call Him Lord, and then we turn around and we treat somebody else with disdain who's made in the likeness of God. When we do that, when we talk poorly about others, when we're not careful with our words around other people, we reflect a disconnect, right? The only way to do that, the only way to really look down on somebody else is to think I'm better than them. And the reality is that the grace of God is such that none of us can claim that. That God's grace comes to us in our brokenness. That if He's really our Lord and Father, then we need to treat everybody else like children of God as well. We are in our words and actions saying we are better than they are, more worthy of God's love and grace. And that does not reflect a saving faith. Words are powerful. Words shape, steer, and lead your life. So choose them carefully that they may be guided by God's words. And that by them, by your own words, you too may be guided by God's word. Let us pray. Lord, help us to control our tongue. It's difficult. It's difficult, especially when people around us are not controlling their tongue. Help us to be so filled with your word, to be so focused on your words, that our mouth begins to change. And may our mouth guide us into your future. Pray this in Jesus' name.